daughter and her boyfriend. Really? Yeah. Wow. How'd that happen? You know, I don't know. She just, well, she's off the charts. Yeah. She, and are you sure she's your daughter? Yeah. She doesn't have any resemblance to whatsoever. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, lucky her. It's a good day for a good day. Send him big love in a big way, yeah. You know, if you ask anyone what their favorite comedy of all time is, most people would say Airplane. Others would say Naked Gun. But, you know, neither of those would have existed if it weren't for this man right here, David Zuckerberg, on the podcast. Are we, are we going? <laughs> We're already going. We're already on. We don't have it here yet, but we will bring the book out. It's called Surely You Can't Be Serious. That's right. Oh, why didn't I bring it? I should. It's all right. You'll get it in a minute. We'll have somebody bring it down. Okay. Uh, the true story of Airplane. That's it's right. all about the making of it. You know, you finally, a book you can judge by its cover. That's right. Which That's is... <laughs> That's, the, yeah. that's what I said. I wish I could make that up. No, that's yeah, what it actually, says. on the back, if you probably haven't seen this I've yet, seen the back. Said, okay, it says, uh, best if read before, like, yes, March yes, yeah. <laughs> 34. I felt like I was so. reading, like, something that would have been in an airplane movie or a Naked Gun movie. Little jokes. All yes. Through, yeah. All through the whole thing. I loved it. I mean, I haven't read the whole thing. I saw parts of it. But I've talked to you for so many years about the movie, so I feel like yeah. I know most of the book. Not, I'm sure, but there's so much more of that book that I have. Yeah. Done. You could ask me all the things that you forgot to ask me. Exactly. Uh, parties we've had here. And That's true. Somehow you got invited to. Somehow. Hopefully we'll continue. But here's what's ironic about it. It's, it's out right now. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. You get this book everywhere except for a library, which is kind of ironic. Um, eventually, I suppose. Eventually. I never thought about that. I wrote a book that will be in a library. It will be in a library. But it's not in a library yet. But eventually, yeah. it will earn its way into a library. Right. But if you ask me, I think libraries kind of lost out on that Amazon books opportunity. They could have been like, hey, you know, we're libraries. You want books? Come to us. At all know, times. I don't know anything about the book business, but we're learning. Yeah, no, well, let yeah. me ask you this. When you were making this movie, were you saying, okay, I'm writing this movie. I hope it's a success so that 43 years from now, I can write a book about it. That's actually an interesting point that you bring up because when we were making it, we were very confident that it would be a hit. Really? Yeah, absolutely. We weren't nervous at all because we had lived with the script for five years and we had, you know, begged studios to say, this is going to be a hit, you know, finance it. Everybody turned down except for one studio, Paramount. What we didn't realize is that, you know, 43 years later, uh, you know, it's still talked about, it's still, still being watched. About. I mean, Jim Abrams always sends me these <laughs> YouTube vignettes of people, you know, people in their 20s watching Airplane for the for first time. For the first time? time? Oh my it's God. Like, it's so stupid. I mean, they're liking right, it. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, it's funny because usually, I mean, this is what's so unique about this movie is it, it has transcended generations. Usually <laughs> a generation, like we, we get this movie and other ones won't get it, but every generation <laughs> continues to get it. Yeah, like, you know, the, the Marx Brothers, I don't know if generations get it now. I mean, even Jim Abrams doesn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> all of Marx Brothers or just a little? No, just all of the Marx really? Brothers. Really? Okay. We, we talked about this in the book. We have yeah. this debate. Right. Jerry and I love the Marx Brothers. Jim doesn't like him at all. It's fair. Wow. It's, yeah, it's funny. Really. You know, how did you get the idea for Airplane? Who came up with the idea? Let's option this movie that we oh, saw. Oh, well, called. you know, it, it didn't happen all at once, of course, as no. you might expect. But, no. you know, we were running this little theater called Kentucky Fried Theater. Where was that? On Pico Boulevard in West L.A. And 140 seats. We were packed, you know, Thursdays through Sunday, all word of mouth. Mid-70s? It mids, yeah, early 70s. Early 70s. 72 okay. to 70. Six and then uh, John Landis came to see the show and Blues Brothers, etc. Et well, we met him because we had started writing the script for Airplane uh, in 1975 because we didn't want to 
be performing on stage anymore. It was a kind of a very forerunner version of what became Airplane. And nobody would finance it, of course. So Landis <laughs> came to see the show and said, why don't you guys do a movie based on your show? We said, oh, okay, that's a good idea. So we did. And this is all recounted in the book. And John Landis directed it. So we learned how to direct. From John from, Landis. From John Landis. From one of the greatest directors. Yeah, but yeah. I think I got ahead of myself a little bit. We were running this this show, Kentucky Fried Theater Show. Yep. We called it My Note. My Note. Because so our weekly LA Times <laughs> calendar uh, listing would read, My Nose Runs Continuously. You know, not the greatest joke. But, no, it's still yeah. a very... But, uh, but we would do spoofs of commercials and okay. show them on stage on a big video monitor. You would spoof the actual commercial yeah. on stage at the Kentucky Fried Theater. The way we would get these ideas for spoofs is to let the videotape machine, which was this huge reel-to-reel -reel Was it VHS or beta back then? It was... VHS. No, no, well, there was oh, no there VHS. Wasn't. No, no, it wasn't. This was you're real right. to real. This is before that. Oh my before God. even that. Yes, you're yeah. right. You're right. I think they had barely invented telephones. In right. <laughs> but and we would let the thing run all night to get uh, commercials, bad commercials. Right. Uh, so in the morning when we cleared it off, we saw this movie, this 1957 black and white movie called Zero Hour. It had the same plot. Guy goes up on a plane, PTSD, uh, can't fly, trying to win back his wife and ends up having to fly the plane down after there's food poisoning. We got involved in this movie. We usually skipped ahead of the movie to get to the bad commercials. Right. We were thinking, well, we could redub this. And then we thought, why redub it? You know, the big leap that we did is that we said, why don't we just recast it with these straight actors as though they didn't know they were in a comedy. Because it was instead so of, funny to begin yeah, with. Instead of redubbing, we would redub movies, you know, these really hard-hitting melodramas what time is the plane taking off well at 0800 hours and then we redub uh where is your hand it's right here at the end of my wrist so you know stupid yes. stuff like that yes and so wow. i i would say why don't we just remake the movie with those guys and so that's what we did but we couldn't sell the idea so you know we did kentucky drive movie learned how to direct from landis and then we went back rewrote the airplane script mm -hmm. and then went around and every studio turned it down and finally michael eisner at paramount heard of him said yes this could be a good idea really yeah sometimes don't give the guy credit he used to run disney for many many years I I forgot he was at Paramount. Well, a lot of people don't give studio executives credit. Right. And we got to Paramount and we were just these young guys and we thought the studio was going to ruin it. Instead, you know, they assigned us this guy named Tom Perry who worked on the story with us. Jeff Katzenberg was there. As him. A, he had a tiny office and he tells about yeah. that in the book. And they assigned Howard Koch as our sure. executive yeah, producer. producer. It all helped the movie. Wow. Tremendously helped. So you're ex the executives back then really helped not just champion it, but get this movie made the way you guys wanted it also. They were our heroes. I mean, wow. we didn't know it at the time. I don't think we appreciated it till decades later. Wow. When the book comes out, I'm going to copy. We already signed a copy. Take it over to Michael Eisner's office. Oh. And I want to personally deliver it to him. I mean, that's how grateful we are. Well, yeah. Well, I'm sure he's going to appreciate that. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> the first person you cast in it was Robert Stack. Right. Correct? He was the one we wanted right from the beginning. We thought because the original role was played by Sterling Hayden. Sterling Hayden from The Godfather. He was the rough cop that got yeah. gets killed. Yes. Right. In, in Zero Hour, Sterling Hayden was played that role of the, you know, the Captain the Air Robert glasses. And that we did on stage at Kentucky Fried <laughs> Theater. It was a joke written by Pat Prof. Sure, yes. You've been working with Pat forever. Yeah. Worked right through all the uh, squads. Yes. That all the naked guns, all the scary, scary movies. movies yeah. I'm still working on 
on rhythm yeah. today. I'm working yeah. on him. Also. Is he here working on painting also here for you? Because no, he's upstairs. He's upstairs now. Yeah. Okay, because he yeah, painted so much of his arm. I make him write when right. he's downstairs. You can write with one hand, paint with the other. Okay, lives in Minnesota, so we kind of correspond on Zoom. When did you know that you wanted Robert Hayes? I look at Robert Hayes and Julie Haggerty. I don't remember them being anybody big back then. They didn't come off of like huge movies and TV shows. No, Robert Hayes, you know, was an actor on a sitcom called Angie. This was in, you know, the late 70s. The late 70s, yeah. And he was right on the Paramount lot. However, no one uh, on our show thought of Robert Hayes. Right. So right. his agent called Howard Koch, our executive producer, yep, and said, yep. "Why don't you try this guy?" And we saw his picture. And said, yeah, he's a good-looking guy. Have him in. He was he was just perfect. He knew I, the tone. Yeah, he knew the tone. And it was only not until we wrote the book that we realized what his actor mindset was. You know, Stack Bridges, Graves, and Nielsen were just you know these straight stiffs who you know just. You know, right out of a movie. Right. But Hayes saw himself as really, you know, that character. There was another layer for Bob Hayes where he was seeing everything happening around him as kind of absurd. So he was reacting like when you say, it's a different kind of flying. Altogether. Altogether. Yeah. And they say, it's an entirely different kind of flying. It's an entirely different kind of flying. Altogether. It's an entirely different kind of flying. And then there's this moment when he goes like that. So right. he reacts, okay. but no other character was really allowed to react. To like react, that. yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, the one girl does break the wall when she goes. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, occasionally, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the flight attendant. But yes, but for the most part, is this true? I, or do I misremember this? Was Bill Murray up for that role? Yes. Well, uh, crazy. The, the studio, you know, to their credit, they really wanted to help us, and they wanted to make the movie a success. That's why they suggested, you know, Chevy Chase and Bill Murray, Barry Manilow. <laughs> I mean, everybody, they really had a confidence. It was a good thing for them, but we were horrified. Right. You, Bill Murray. I mean, you didn't Bill, want a comedian and, to and, do these. Roles. And I loved Chevy Chase and Bill Murray. Sure. They're just They're the great best. comic actors, but not for this. Because Bill Murray, my favorite, hands down. I can watch him in anything. Is this true? Yes, it's true. But you knew that there was a slight maybe mugginess. There was 3% of him that yeah. was outside of it, you know. With a little wink. a little bit. Uh, no matter what he could do, even if he played it exactly like Bob Hayes, the audience would be saying, oh, Bill Murray. It's Bill, yeah. yeah. Now, he j had just got done doing Meatballs right before. Right. And then he wound up doing Caddyshack the same yeah, year. Yeah, no, he was doing great, successful, yeah. funny movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Perfect. And Paramount wow. could have breathed easier. Sure. Because they were already, you know, casting stack and... Yeah, exactly. So, you know, who do they have? Who's in this movie? And those guys back then, were they still doing big movies? Stack and, and Nielsen? No. They were already done with their no, big No, they hey were. Oh, yeah. But Stack had just done the Spielberg comedy. He did 1941. Yeah, he did 1941. Wow. And on the set, Stack was regaling us with stories about how Spielberg wow. directed him. This yeah. Film. He did this and that. It's like he had no confidence in Airplane. Oh, oh. Stack was a great guy. He didn't want to do it or he wanted to? He, he just didn't, didn't want to do it. Do and I think Howard Koch again helped com convince him. Wow. We offered him a piece of the movie. He turned it down for just money up front. Oh, yeah. oh he, wow. And he talks about that in the book. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Now, this movie was like what? Three and a half million to cost to make? 3.2. 3.2. Like we rounded it off at three and a half, but it was right. 3.2. 3.2, and it made how much in the in the first year? Well, uh, 160 million. That's it? And that, that was it. Yeah. That was, and then never made a penny after never, that? No, that was the end. Yes. <laughs> well, they hadn't been streaming yet. Uh, and I'm talking combining domestic and international. Sure, sure, of course. Yeah, I mean, but that's yeah, huge. It's huge for huge. a tiny investment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a huge profit. And they probably spent two cents more. It was mainly the trailer, and they did have TV spots. Yeah. But 
yep, yep. trailer played in theaters and we were so excited about our first movie that we would go to like the Bruin Theater <laughs> yes, in exactly. Westwood here just wow. see the trailer and the and I would go you know down the aisle on the side to see the audience's faces and you know what I saw is like people not only laughing but everybody's pointing at the screen really? as if there was anywhere else to wow. look <laughs> exactly. but, you know they're pointing at the screen wow this is the trailer before it came, before out. It came yeah, out this was in the month before it came out my friend went to that Bruin Theater and he saw that movie back when it came out when yeah. it premiered he saw a guy literally laugh so hard he fell out of his chair into the dirty aisle and stayed there for a few minutes laughing. Oh he literally God. stayed oh, really? there. Yeah, <laughs> on the floor of a dirty movie theater. So, you know, you, you know, maybe, it's an expression, fall yeah. on the floor. He and, literally did it. He and, literally and, did uh, it. And I think actually in the book, you know, we got some comments from uh, Quentin Tarantino. And yes. He described something like that, I think, for Kentucky Fried Movie. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, people were yes. falling in the aisles, which it's, is nice. As long as people are falling in the yeah. aisle for your movie, you're happy. Yeah, I, I was happy. Yeah. I was just happy with, we love to go and, and watch the to movie. See, yeah. Just to hear the laugh. Was Kareem the first person you cast for that role or no? He wasn't. Uh, again, all our mistakes were corrected by fate. And our first idea was Pete Rose. Yeah, of course. Like, Pete Rose. Baseball. And, but, <laughs> it, but the baseball season was in the summer and Pete was, I think, at that point, player managing the Phillies or something. Okay. Betting, so, managing. And betting on, sure. yeah. But he only on himself. Of course. Yes, which is, but yeah. uh, there's that point spread that, that gets could you. interfere with that. The commissioner frowned on that, but, yeah. <laughs> but this was before all that. And so yeah. we went to Kareem. And so originally it was just Pete Rose saying, you know, yeah, I'm really Pete Rose. I play baseball. And that was it. But with Kareem, we did the whole, wow. the whole, that whole other thing where my dad says, you don't work hard enough on defense. He was okay with that. You wrote oh, that the way it would. Kareem never changed. Really? Oh yeah. No, wow. he, he loved it. You know, most people. It turns out, you know, if they're prompted and steered, they, they don't mind making fun of themselves. I right. mean, that's what Stack wow. was doing, was making fun of his own image and less wow. than two. Yeah. But what was the hardest role to cast in this movie? Was there uh, anything that you're like, well, you can't find the right person. They're, they're mugging it. They're doing whatever the hell. Oh, well, actually, Leslie Nielsen's role, the doctor, we, we were actually turned down by a bunch of actors. Leslie was not the first choice. What did Letterman go up for? Wasn't David oh, Letterman, Letterman somebody? was up for the Bob Hayes Okay, the for the striker. Role. Okay, and, and then what happened to him? We, well, uh, he just faded into obscurity after everything. Yeah, it's too but, bad. Too bad about him. But, such hope. But what happened was, you know, we used to go to the comedy store on Sunset, and we loved a lot of the comedians there. And one of the ones that we really were fans of was Letterman, before sure. he was famous. When we we thought of him for uh, Airplane, because, you know, he has leading man looks. Sure. And, he has that uh, kind of delivery. So, yeah, so we called try. him and said, come to audition. He, uh, you know, we found out later he didn't want to. Didn't want, it. didn't want to do it and and we understood later you know it made sense because he's he's not an actor he's uncomfortable he acting is, is lying yes basically. he's uncomfortable on camera even though he's so great on camera I know. he is still uncomfortable yeah it's amazing you know he came in to read for it yep. and he had us laughing the whole, yeah. you know. Did you put an offer to him? No, because so you, you loved him, but you didn't. No, I think in the, we screen tested him. Right, right, right. And but by, I think by the time we got to the screen test, we were more or less convinced that it was Bob Hayes' role, yep. unless somebody, somebody else came and crushed it. I think uh, Jerry tells the story in the book that uh, he's watching on the off stage and says to his agent, "So I think we'll be able to make an actor out of him yet." About Letterman <laughs> right. and, and uh, Letterman's agent says. Fat chance. <laughs> <laughs> the same agent so, he's been with this whole time? I think so. Okay. I, I mean, I don't know. I think Kareem's with a different guy. <laughs> <laughs> Kareem's guy at least got him 5,000 extra because Kareem wanted to buy a rug. Yeah, he got it. <laughs> yeah, that that's was why he did the movie. That's, yeah, that's in the book. All these stories are in the book. I'm not making this shit up. I, I, yeah, okay, right. I hope not, not because, you know, it really upset a lot of people. It's a good day.
Now, let me ask you a question about staying alive. Is it sped up a little bit in the movie? 